In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wish to speak to you this morning about loneliness. It is an age-old condition, and one our forebears knew. Even Elijah, who we hear about on the mountaintop, has an amazing story as he passes his spirit to his heir apparent Elisha, the prophet. Elisha is the top student, the devoted disciple. They travel together. They love each other. They are deep companions because their work centers on God and God's people and the work that God has for them to do with the people. Elisha worries about enormous shoes to fill, but he also prepares to grieve because he loves his mentor, Elijah. And so in the text we read in in reference to the transfiguration, it wasn't appointed for today, but it often is appointed for Transfiguration Sunday, we read about the prophetic duo's farewell tour of the cities where Elijah did amazing things. At each stop, the prophets come out to say, you know, Elijah's getting ready to retire. And Elijah begins to depart, but Elisha clings to his side and says, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. On to the next town, and the same routine takes place. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I think Elisha is afraid of loneliness. Finally, Elijah crosses the Jordan. He rolls his jacket into a Moses-style staff, and the waters part in clear reference to the Red Sea, and they wrangle over the estate planning. Elisha now asks for a double share of the prophet's spirit, the inheritance that would go to the true heir, the eldest son. Then Elijah ascends into heaven, leaving poor, bald Elisha on his own. And I say this with due respect to all of us struggling with follicular challenge. He's not his best self. And when the boys mock him by saying, and I quote from the holy scriptures of the Lord, go away, bald head, go away, bald head, Elisha summons two she-bears from the woods to maul 42 of them into pieces, thus saith the Lord. And yes, thank you for asking, I did receive as a seminary gag gift a clay statue of a gnarly she-bear with a polka dot bow in her hair chomping on a human leg as if Bigfoot Sasquatch went to the beauty parlor and came out hungry. (laughs) I love this story. I think it's so funny. But it also illustrates the ways that loneliness can distort our world. Sure, Elisha gets a double share of Elijah's spirit. He offers prophecies to kings and performs great miracles. But at first, he's a little testy because he's lonely. He's insecure. He's afraid. Indeed, we are all social creatures. If you even just think about watching like dogs or monkeys or lions, they're animals that, and elephants, they they gather and they interact and they, they take energy from each other. And we are even more so. And the key to meaningful connection, I believe, is, is joining in what Thomas Berry called the great work, soulful work, toward the good of the whole, the flourishing of all creation, with God at the center focusing on things of ultimate worth. Consider then today's gospel. I wonder if Peter is terrified because 
He knows he's about to lose his rabbi and his friend Jesus to the cross. Just six days before the transfiguration moment, Jesus foretells his suffering and death at the hands of Pontius Pilate. So who could blame Peter for wishing this transfiguration moment not to end? He's up there with James and John, Jesus, Moses, there's Elijah, and all the symbols of glory. Matthew's Old Testament allusions shine like a thousand stars in the night sky. We remember Daniel's dazzling white clothes in the righteous court. Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. God showing up on the mountain so many times. And Peter wanting to build a festival of booths to symbolize the end of time. But the text climaxes with God's thundering, beautiful statement. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I believe that God says that to you and to me every single day. You are my child, the beloved. With you, God is well pleased. So the community that forms up there on the mountain is exactly the kind of connection that we need right now. It is not staff planned. You do not have to sign up in Realm. There is no jot form. It's unexpected. It's organic. It's beautiful. And that, I think, is why Peter wants it to last. Jesus, called beloved, sits at the center of that gathering. And can you imagine the excitement, the thrill, the joy they felt? I hate the song, Shine, Jesus, Shine. And I was riffing Kirk. I tried to get him to program it for every hymn today. It sounds like the worst of 90s pop, but it is kind of like the, the, the hymn that comes to the song that comes to mind for this story, that Jesus is dazzling, he's stunning, something about him has changed. And I think the disciples had a deep sense that this was a person who would change everything that they knew and felt and believed about the world. They left everything to follow this man. Some dropped their nets in the middle of the beach, feet still sandy. I think they really loved him. I think they were preparing to grieve him when he died. But what about you and me? As a part of our empathetic listening that we have engaged over the past six months, if we're hearing you right, you are saying at least two things. One is that you are, for the most part, looking for connection. You're looking for community. You're looking for depth of connection. And from some of you, that you're really lonely. You're isolated. You're alone. Even before COVID, the CDC identified loneliness as a major health challenge. For adults aged 45 and older, loneliness is as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It is defined as a subjective feeling of disconnection and social isolation, which is a lack of meaningful relationships. People who report those feelings, this is from the CDC website, have a 50% increased risk of dementia, 29% increased risk of heart disease, 32% increased risk of stroke, and higher rates of depression, addiction, and suicide. When we are lonely and isolated, chances are... We will die young. It is no exaggeration to say that loneliness is killing us. Even before the pandemic, almost half of American adults, not just folks in their 80s and 90s, but people 80, 45 and up, 
said they felt alone or socially isolated. And now it's much worse because the folks who had to be the most careful with COVID are the ones most hurt by social isolation. I'm thinking of the people who aren't even with us in the room but are likely joining us online. You are the elder saints who have lost your friends, neighbors, and sometimes, tragically, even your partners and spouses. You may find yourself in assisted living, which, though helpful, removes you from the routines you knew for decades, like walking the dog, getting the mail, dinner with your family and friends. You are hurting. You are isolated. You are lonely. And I want you to know that you're not alone. God loves you, and so do we. So what can we do? First, let's get creative about the ways that we care for each other. If you know someone who is lonely or isolated, I invite you to help them get connected. If you are feeling lonely or isolated, don't be afraid to ask for help in forming community. Coming out of COVID, your clergy and staff and pastoral care committee have been working overtime to connect with you every way that we can imagine. If you make a prayer request online or through email or through a phone call or just talk to one of us, we're going to call you. We're going to connect with you. We're going to ask how you're doing. We're putting our programs online. We're generating new groups like the Lenten small groups and the foyer group. And I want you to know that we are here for you. For some of us, even a hug or a handshake is months or years in the rearview mirror fading like twilight. So if you're feeling lonely, depressed, or anxious, the bravest thing you can do is name it, is ask for help. I promise you do not have to be in a crisis to call us. I promise we are not too busy to be your pastors. Second, let's work together to end the stigma around mental health counseling. I'm proud to see my therapist regularly, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Therapy helps us understand, name, and release emotions, especially the hard ones like anger, sadness, anxiety, and fear, so that we can understand ourselves better, finding deeper compassion and connection and empathy with those around us. This is demonstrated through many studies to be the path to deeper satisfaction, meaning, and joy. Basically, it's going below small talk, beneath the surface, asking how you really are. Or you can even just say, how are you, comma, really, and see where the conversation goes. I believe that God longs for us to know that kind of compassion, love, and connection. And finally, we need your help in forming deep community because the most authentic relationships will always and only come from you. I bet that there is someone in this community, in this church, in this parish family, that you have not seen for a long time, maybe even since before COVID. You might ask them to join you in person at a gathering that means something to you. It doesn't even have to be church. Maybe it's coffee or a walk. Even now, I invite you to pull out your phone and reach out to someone in your network. Just text them. You can do it. It's okay. I won't be offended. Just text him and say, I care about you, I love you, I'm grateful for your friendship, and just see where the conversation goes. Studies show that that simple practice of being in relationship and naming gratitude out loud lowers our stress, improves our mood, and makes us feel more connected. 
And I tried it yesterday with my friend Caitlin, who I haven't talked to in like a year. And I just said, I appreciate you, and I'm grateful for our friendship. And she said, this is the best conversation I've had all week. It was just really fun and really exciting. So I want to encourage you to reach out to the people in your network and tell them that you appreciate them and see what happens. That's a therapeutic way of describing the abundant life that comes from being the body of Christ to each other. And so if it's true that loneliness is as dangerous as 15 cigarettes a day, and if it's also true that we are isolated like never before, then we need each other like never before. How is God calling you to create Christ-centered community on your own particular mountaintop? Back to the mountain with Jesus, John, James, Moses, and Elijah. Christ's transfiguration foreshadows the glory that comes after the cross through his resurrection. I have to tell you, there's something deeply theologically promising about that movement from death to life, about the metamorphosis, the transformation that God's love and grace makes possible inside each of us. In a way, we are asked to believe that transformation is possible, that love really can conquer all, that people can change for the better through grace. In a way, this story invites us to believe that prisoners can be released, that the wounded can be made whole, that broken relationships can begin anew, that the excommunicated can eat bread and drink wine once more in sacred space, in church, with community, that the cast out can be drawn in, that enemies can make peace, that swords can become plowshares, that anger can melt into empathy, that the past can be forgiven, that a divided nation can once more be united for common purpose, that grieving friends, even at the grave, can make their song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Even now in my personal life, I am being asked to believe that transformation is possible in the most hopeless of situations, that grace is real that love can change us from the inside. And these are lessons that I am learning in community with you. I could never in a million years homeschool myself into these experiences, into this belief. I need you, and maybe you need me. There's a beautiful saying in South Africa, which actually imbues so much of that amazing country's ethics and ethos and even their politics and constitution. The saying is, Ubuntu. It means, I am because you are. I am because we are. You are because I am. We need each other. So whether you are experiencing loneliness and isolation yourself, or whether the people around you may be, I want you to know that God is with you and through you and part of the work you are doing in the world. And the connection that God calls us to make rooted in love and and understanding and empathy and authenticity is of the Holy Spirit, is deep and meaningful and real. It is abundant life because it is rooted in God's unconditional love. So remember that you are loved. You are never alone. You are not alone. And I promise you, 
God will carry us through. Amen.